G'day and welcome to the Mind Your Body Show. I am your host, Jacob Andre, and today I am talking to Chris Downham. So if you'd like to know more about going from multi-millionaire to bankrupt to yoga studio owner, stay tuned. Hi, I'm Jacob Andre, and for over a decade, I've trained everyone from children to elite athletes to move better, feel better, and perform better. While a thorough understanding of fitness and nutrition is vital, underpinning that is mindset. And I've come to discover just how important it is. I've worked with literally thousands of people. And more often than not, it's the ones who win the mind game who succeed in the big game. So how do they do it? This is the Mind Your Body Podcast. G'day and welcome to the show. I am your host, Jacob Andre, and this is the episode prelude with Chris Downham. Before we get into it, I just want to let you know that my coaching program has just opened up. I only open up places for this coaching two to four times a year. And now is the time that you can get into the program. This encompasses my whole Mind Your Body framework, Mind Your Body program, which within that sits the 10 in 10 challenge. The 10 in 10 challenge is a challenge to lose 10 kilos in 10 weeks. But ultimately what we will do is teach you the psychology of how to stay on track with your health and fitness goals. I'm only opening this up to 20 places. So if you would like to accept a place, I start you off on a two-week intro package. And if you would like to start off with a two-week intro package and see what it's like to work with me online, one-on-one, and my team, then head on over to the mindyourbodyshow.com forward slash two-week intro package, all with little hyphens between it. There'll be a link in the show notes for you to be able to sign up and request access to be one of those 20 people to be personally coached by myself and Sam, our induction specialist, who will be taking you through your two-week intro package. Alrighty, this episode with Chris was so, so intriguing is the way that I would describe it. Chris is hilarious, particularly at the end. I encourage you to watch all the way through to the end and see the conversation we have around the future of the world and how long we both believe we're going to live to. You may have seen me talk before about living to 200. Chris kind of goes down the same path. He has the same kind of futuristic mentality that I have. And we start geeking out and all this stuff towards the end of it. But throughout this whole episode, Chris talks about ultimately his journey from being quite what seems to be unhealthy through to as a multimillionaire and an unhealthy multimillionaire to then losing that, the story behind losing his millions, going bankrupt and how he doesn't work for several years because he doesn't want to give the creditors any sense any give them a cent and then building that back up and getting into finding yoga essentially in order to build his life back up and not only does he build his finances back up but he builds his whole life up and he improves his relationship with his wife his kids um, his own mind and body how he changes the way he eats the exercise that he does the way he lives it is really, really inspiring and it's really interesting. Chris actually reminds me of a bit of a story from The Wolf of Wall Street. He seems like the English version to The Wolf of Wall Street. He is a type A personality. He talks very quick. He talks a lot, even more so than me. I couldn't get a word in for about 15 minutes at a time, which is really entertaining on its own and I was just captivated by everything that he was saying in this episode it really really is quite intriguing he goes into 
from that multi losing the multi millions into bankruptcy into then starting a shipping container yoga studio quite intriguing which then he then finds a, a struggle with because of COVID hitting and then how he pivoted into the online world and his uh, his absolute interest in technology as to how he pivots around that challenge and then creates this thriving online studio. It's what this guy is doing in the tech space to do with fitness is quite astonishing. He probably He's probably doing better than anyone I know in the online fitness world. So in this episode... We talk about Chris's morning routine, starting off with his apple cider vinegar. Um, we talk about how he made over one million pounds and how he was really excited about showing all his friends his bank account and how much of a dick he feels like he is now, reflecting on that. I use that word because there is a bit of swearing in this episode. It is an explicit episode, and so I'm going to warn you about it right now. I probably should be before I use that. Um, how building a well-being village in the Bul- how he built a well-being village in the Bulgarian mountains. How old Chris was versus new Chris, and how he changed all that at the age of 41. Uh, how he started his yoga studio Rise with a one in place of the I. The benefits of gamifying and rewarding behavior change in regards to health and fitness. His experience with being frauded, so, so interesting. And I think this would have crippled many people, but not only does he work his way through this journey, he actually does it. He's excited about it. He gets he gets a kick out of actually becoming bankrupt and and the whole being frauded situation. It's just crazy his mindset around it. Why he went vegan but calls it plant-based. Uh, why he spent over two years clearing an acre of land by hand starting in an English winter. Chris is from Sheffield, England, and he started clearing this acre of land in wintertime and he spent two years doing it. How he um, found yoga. You see me following on from that. You can get a bit of an idea as to how he found yoga after clearing a block, an acre of land by hand. Uh, the one childlike activity that makes it hard to be depressed. And I actually, this really, I found this really intriguing. And I think that if more people did this one activity, they would feel happier. I think maybe everyone should be doing this every day, but I think that everyone feels happy. It's kind of like getting your head up, look up, and it kind of naturally starts to make you feel happy. The benefit of failing quickly versus slowly and why he's grateful for his failures being quick failures where he describes them as decapitations as opposed to death by a thousand cuts. The six hacks Chris Chris lives by and believes if you have these in your life, you will be the best version of yourself. These six hacks, I truly, I, I absolutely love them. I wish I had have thought of a way to just put these into place and I think anyone can do it. They're all free. The things that you can do for free. And if everyone implements these six things into their life, then they will be the best version of themselves. But he's used it in a business sense where everything comes from that. And he's got all these different um, parts of his business that include those six areas. We then talk about a seventh in the 10 and 10 questions at the end. Uh, his cure for the mindless consumption of media, increasing his reading speed from 180 words per minute to 600 and why he naps for exactly 26 minutes after sculling a coffee. This episode with Chris Downham is really quite entertaining. It's my longest episode so far, but captivating all the way through. So without any further ado, let's get into it. 
G'day and welcome to the Mind Your Body podcast with Jacob Andre. This is your host, Jacob, and I am with today, Chris Danham. Chris, welcome. Hi, Jacob. How are you? I am great. It's a pleasure to have you on. My first English guest, I think. Hey! Long, long <laughs> How way. are you? Yeah, really good, mate. It's a, a nice sociable afternoon for you there in Darwin and a lovely early morning here in Sheffield. Yeah, it's Saturday afternoon here in Darwin, just coming into the build-up at this time of year as the recording in September 2020 and uh, Saturday morning for you. What happens on a Saturday morning? I, I am a creature of habit, so I always get up at 5am uh, and then the rest of the house starts to stir about 7, which is now. So we might have, I've got three children, so they will be coming in. Uh, we do yoga in the afternoon, so uh, we have a hot yoga studio, so Channel will be doing that later. And I, I try to spend, actually, the kids are allowed a bit more time to watch crap television. So there will be <laughs> WWE is what they're watching at the moment. <laughs> it usually means that they have about two hours of wrestling uh, and then someone starts crying. So that, that, that'll that be the next few hours. And hopefully the wrestling and tears won't interrupt us too much. But uh, that's how that's what Three. they're excited to do. Three kids, what are their ages and um, boys or girls? Uh, we've got two boys and a girl, and you know the ages keep changing. So this is always a hard, a hard question. So <laughs> in the corner, she's like, "I can't believe you asked him the age question." So <laughs> sounds like such a bad dad. So Noah, I think, is six. Freddie's ten. <laughs> Jen's nodding, and Lottie's twelve. Yeah, <laughs> and that's going to change. So, That'd be awful. Uh, yeah. As you know, I've got four kids and we just discussed off air and I said what their ages were. And so my dilemma is that three of them, the three boys, so I have boy, 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 and then girl. So they're at the moment, they're nine, eight, seven, and five. So for me, it's really easy at this point because I just know, I just need to remember nine and then I just count back each, each age from there and then skip one before the last one. But the problem is that the three boys all have their birthdays, September, October, November, so between those months, I'm going, hang on, what month are we in? What part of the month are we in? It's, it's, it's a very, very difficult thing. Very, very difficult thing. And I, I think what's funny is when, because I, I know I struggle with it, I always struggle with it. Uh, and, I, and I think that's a great example for me of, you know, when, when you think you can't do something, then invariably you can't. And uh, yeah, kids, date, dates of birth. That's a good job you didn't ask me that because that is a mystery. Um, <laughs> thank God for online calendars. <laughs> So let's before we get right into it, let's get you to just quickly introduce yourself while you're having a drink of your what I think is apple cider vinegar. If anyone, of course, we're on iTunes or on um, SoundCloud and eventually hopefully we'll be on a few more, but this is definitely going onto YouTube as well. So if anyone is watching this, um, the video of this on YouTube, then they'll see you had that drink. Mm -hmm. Um, So before you introduce yourself, what is this drink? Um, well, apple cider vinegar. So I, 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 I'm a, a devil for researching and reading and, and actually taking action on stuff. So uh, I've probably been drinking apple cider vinegar on and off um, for, and I'm definitely on an on stage at the moment uh, for about the last four years, which is when my health journey really, or my real change in my health journey began. Um, but part of my morning routine is when I have my um, my coffee, I have that with MCT oil, black coffee with MCT oil, apple cider vinegar, and then I intermittent fast until midday. And th- those three things, it, it, it keeps me, I don't get hungry. Um, it's helped me shed a load of weight. Uh, I, I don't know too much about the science of it. Do you know when you hear like 
I've probably God, read a hundred health books and podcasts and all this sort of stuff. And if you hear the same thing again and again and again, I don't really need to understand the science too much of it. I'm like, yeah, those dudes have researched that. I, he looks great. I'm in for a bit of that. So yeah, works well for me. I'm, I'm my six-year-old and, and uh, eight-year-old. They are the right ages, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, they drink it as well and they, they quite like it. So it tastes like, like terrible, cheap French white wine. Spanish <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you, you use that because that's that's my dilemma as well, is that I read a heap of research and then go, yeah, I'm going to do that. I also intermittent fast. Um, I'm right into all that stuff. I'm not doing um, the apple cider vinegar, but I have done it in the past. Mm-hmm. But people go, oh, what, what's the research? And I was actually going to ask you this question. What's the research behind the benefits of it? And I can never remember. I go, oh, yeah, and I'm scratching my brain and kind of half making things up. But I just know that it's good for me because I've read it so many times and it's been in peer-reviewed articles. Like intermittent fasting now, I just see that all the time, the benefits of that. You you know, the the benefits of having a a, not a no-carb diet but a low-carb diet. Whenever people are talking about movement, there always seems to be yoga. I've never heard anyone say yoga is bad for you, you know, but I used to run um, ultramarathons and stuff as part of Nutris. Um, and you know, some people say that's good for you. Well, not many people say running it. It's, it's nice to know you can accomplish it, but it's not good for your body. Uh, but things like apple cider vinegar, I've never heard anyone say, yeah, that, that, that stuff's bad for you. Unlike caffeine is one of those interesting things where I've read people can say caffeine's good, caffeine's bad. All I know is I like it. And I think a lot of what I do comes down to how I feel, um, how it makes, how it affects my energy. Um, and how you know right it seems, how natural it seems to where we've come as a human race. Is this something that would have made sense, um, you know, years and years ago? Uh, I'm not into too much of the breaking technology stuff because uh, I like to do stuff which is you know incredibly affordable and simple for other people to do as well. Because then hopefully inspire people through what we do. It always shamelessly branding through through Rise as well. Uh, we'll definitely get onto the the rise branding that you're wearing, the hat and the jumper there. But um, I just made me lose my track of uh, my line of thinking there with the rise. I think you started <laughs> a little bit about my story, where I've come from. Uh, well, I wanted to talk about the um, apple cider vinegar, but we'll definitely come back to that if we can. But let's go right back. Okay, so introduce yourself, Chris, and tell us a little bit about who you are and how you've ended up where you are right now in life. Okay, uh, well, Chris Downham. I'm uh, English from Sheffield. So I came, I've got a twin brother. That's probably one of the major things to, to get. I've got a genetically identical twin brother who doesn't do all the health things I do either, which is quite good. So you have like an inbuilt test subject for everything that you're doing. Uh, somebody who does it, somebody who doesn't do it, genetically identical. How does this affect? I'm going to be really pissed off if, if I die first. Uh, well, <laughs> Good stuff, and he's not because it'll be like the ultimate experiment that it, that it went wrong. Um, so, and I, I think having a twin has been the biggest blessing in in my life. It's also been a bit of a curse in some respects because you get into a lot more mischief together. But um, it, it made me very competitive, and I think that was a good thing and a bad thing. It probably made me a little bit too type A, and because you're always wanting to beat your twin at everything, because you have got this sort of it's an example that you want to be, you want to be not better than him for the purpose of beating him, but for motivating yourself. Uh, but that, that did probably make me 
strive to do things for the for some of the wrong wrong reasons. Uh, but we we went into business together. So when we when we started, like I don't know if, if kids still do this, but it was like age fourteen, washing cars, cutting lawns. And going around the neighborhood, asking people if we could babysit their kids at like age 14 and they let us. And we're like, <laughs> oh, you wouldn't be allowed to do that now. A couple of random 14 year olds looking after like a baby as, as people went out. Like, were they mad? We had no idea what we were doing. Um, but in fact, what, I remember one guy, we were like 15 and he, he not only let us look after his baby, but he left us some beers. Like, this is, <laughs> this is terrible parenting. Uh, but then we we um, we both went to Sheffield University. Uh, Rob to study law, me to study business, and and at that point, house prices were really low. My grandpa had died. Um, who was he? Had a great job. He was a psychiatrist specialising in sexual disorders, especially nymphomania for women. Uh, and he had a wandering eye, so I don't know if he chose that that career himself. But that, that's a, a bad a bad place for him to be. But he um, he died, unfortunately. Um, of health-related problems. He was a heavy smoker, heavy drinker, uh, but he still had a good, considering he did that for years and years and years, uh, he, I think he got to about 84, which, you know, you take that probably for, for how he treated himself. Uh, but he left us £5,000 and we started buying houses in Sheffield, student houses, because we'd gone to university. Um, and by the time I, I think I left university, I probably had 30 houses, something like that. And I was doing all the work myself with my twin brother and house prices were going up. Uh, and then <clears throat> didn't really need a job then really because rents were coming in. In fact, all I needed, I should have just carried on doing that. I'd have been a multi-squillionaire by now because that was started in like 1997. But I did manage to fuck it all up. Um, <laughs> I'm like, you can beep out the, the odd F and Jeff. It's a passion play. And uh, so we... I then decided, and we had a financial advisor who was, every time we bought a house, was doing the mortgage and the endowments. And then I met another guy who said, like, do you know how much money you're making for that dude? And I'm like, no, I think he's just giving me a good advice. He goes, dude, he's getting paid commission on everything he sells you. And I think at this point, he'd sold me like 30 endowments, uh, which which wasn't good advice, but it was great commission for him. And I'm like, I should be your financial advisor then, even if I'm just my own client. Um, so I became a financial advisor, as did my twin brother a year later. Um, and then I, I really quickly um, went up the ranks of uh, being a financial advisor and started working for some big corporates uh, and got into management, became a director. Uh, and suddenly I was like the top 10 of a company of thousands of people. It was Zurich. Um, had a convertible Merck. Felt the absolute bollocks. I think I was 24 years old. So I had loads of houses, convertible Merc, top job. Um, I even had a driver sometimes who would like, pick me up and I'm like, this is insane. Uh, and But then I did feel a complete disconnect as to the motivations of the financial advisors um, and of the company, of the corporate, were completely and utterly, none of this was in juxta with what clients wanted or what people, so I think there was two, one, one was like clients wanted great financial advice. What most of them were getting was great advice for the financial advisor based on the amount of commission that they could make. Completely opposite, polar opposites. And uh, I remember one guy when I, when I first went to be a financial advisor, he, he was a Yorkshire lad. He kept going, so lad, what's it all about? And I'm like, 
um, providing great lifelong financial advice uh, around helping people achieve their goals. No, lad, go again. I'm like, um, about uh, providing, and he's like, no, lad, it's selling for commission. And I was a doctor's son, I'm from a professional background, and I'm like, Mm, I, that's not what I perceive financial advice to be. And then when I got more into the corporate side of things, we used to spend like we, we'd go to um, all these clubs and bars and spend thousands on champagne and strippers and stuff like that. And then the next day we'd have a board meeting and they would be talking about making people redundant whose salaries were less than we'd spent on champagne the night before. And I just felt this is abhorrent. You know, this didn't fit, although, you know, I, I enjoyed the trappings. It didn't fit well with regards to what, how I had always been brought up through my dad, who was just a beautiful role model and a caring person. He was a, a doctor who never went into the private field. He just wanted to help people be well, um, although he knew nothing about health and has had ill health problems for years, which we, we might come on to because that was one of my motivators to, for, for health. Um, so I, I just quit. Um, and decided to set up my own financial services business with my twin, which was about actually providing decent financial advice and not selling for commission, which was a much harder route to make money. Um, and, and it went pretty well. Um, and then this is one of the mistakes I made. I got a little bit carried away and I decided that um, I couldn't, the property prices weren't going to go up anymore in the UK. And this was about 15 years ago. So they've trebled since then. But it, again, it didn't seem that people could afford property. Uh, so I decided I would take out, um, and we'd made you know, over a million pounds by then. And we, we had like 500 grand in the bank account. <laughs> we weren't living lavish lifestyles really at all. Um, pretty pretty well obviously but not not super lavish so we decided that we would build a well-being village and I always did have a slant towards health um in the mountains in Bulgaria and we built this huge uh, beautiful village called Geshevu which was all about no cars organic lifestyle um and it just became a money pit it sucked money out of me as fast as I could earn hundreds and thousands of pounds uh, and unfortunately, that 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 is still there, but I'm no longer uh, an owner of it. And uh, I'll let you interject a bit at the same because my, my my story. I don't want to just do a 15 minute monologue about my my story. But then you know we've set up some other businesses, and and ultimately it didn't quite turn out well. And I can expand on on that if you like. Um, which led me to, and this was all what I deem now Chris 1.0. This was old Chris, uh, and then. Four years ago, at the age of 41, I started building new Chris. Um, and, and that was built on some of the lessons that old Chris learned as well. So I found like um, somebody with split personality disorder actually referring to myself as <laughs> a new Chris. And both Chris, <laughs> it was good times had, had by both Chris's. <laughs> so, okay then. So how did you end up coming to Rise, which is your yoga studio? Yeah, so... Um, there was a product, an insurance product in the UK called Vitality. They've probably got it in um, in Australia as well. They've certainly got it. It's a global product. And my the part of the story involving my dad is, um, so he was a doctor, but at age 43, he um, suffered angina. And uh, basically, he was a stress head. Um, 
he was doing what most people would perceive to be healthy middle class sort of stuff. You know, didn't drink too much, but drank most days, um, ate, um, you know, meat um, with nearly every meal, wasn't quality organic meat, always had dairy uh, and enjoyed his cheese and, you know, exercised a bit, but not too much. And when he did exercise, it might be like suddenly onto the squash course or something like that. And, and, you know, there was these combination of things actually led to him being able to, to, to no longer work. And he was very, very lucky that he had a really, really good insurance policy, an income protection policy, which effectively then paid his income for the next 30 years. Um, and he got a big lump sum to pay off his mortgage. And at that point, I'm thinking, and that was one of my other motivations to become a financial advisor, because the medical, the medical profession, which he was part of, hadn't helped his life at all he got ill the financial services profession had really really helped his life and he had got decent he was lucky enough to have received decent financial advice fortunately from a family friend not from just a a financial advisor on the commission hunt um so when when i saw a product called vitality what vitality was doing it it was a an insurance product which was really really good insurance but rather than the benefit of the insurance being when you actually received a payment because something bad had happened you'd have a heart attack or you know been unable to unable to work or, or worst case scenario died the whole point of the vitality product was to motivate behavior change so what they did is this was the same time as sort of technology came out and you would have an apple watch like this or a garmin or a fitbit um <clears throat> And you would be um, earning points for doing the right things. Nowadays, you get points if you do like a meditation with calm or headspace. You get points for doing over 10,000 steps. You get points for going to a gym. And this would all happen. And the more points you got, the cheaper your premium became. And also, they would reward you with things like free cinema tickets or coffee at Starbucks. So they would give you some of the more fun stuff for doing some of the exercise. And this really, really resonated with me because I was always interested in sport. I played a lot of high-level hockey um, where I met a lot of lads from Darwin. Uh, and I'd, I'd you know, run marathons and, and things like that. But all of it, that was sort of like a sticky plaster at the same time of drinking probably a bottle plus of wine a day and eating not great. Doing a similar thing as my dad had done and just slowly getting heavier and heavier. But when I saw this insurance product, I'm like, dude, this is amazing. And it really, really resonated with me. And we started to um, grow a a very big business. We had some pretty big businesses anyway. And we ended up with 400 consultants. We were turning, we were making over a million pound a month. Um, We had offices all over the place. And uh, then one day, I remember it pretty well in August, 2015, um, I, uh, we, we were, every time someone bought a product, a policy, we would send out a Fitbit and we'd send out, we had these 10 guys who were just smashing it. These boys were earning, they were probably earning 20 grand a month each, you know, big money. They were driving around in fancy cars. And then one day loads of these Fitbits, these activity watches came back to our office. And I'm like, like not, not just five, like 50 could not be delivered by the post office. I'm like, why would they not be able to deliver 50 Fitbits on the same day? And then I'm like, no, those addresses mustn't be right. Then I'm like, hmm, if the addresses aren't right. 
So I got one of our admin people, can you just check all those bank details? And what they'd done is they'd used their own bank accounts um, to pay the first couple of months premiums. So it, everything looked fine. We'd paid out huge amounts of commission, like over 700,000 in commission in this two month period. And it was a summer period. So we were short staffed as people were away on holiday. Um, and it was fraud. Uh, so we told the Financial Conduct Authority that we discovered this and we told Vitality we discovered it. And at this time, Vitality were looking to get their own life licenses, which basically meant uh, um, they, it was very important that they looked squeaky clean. So they decided to bury us. Um, so this was on the Thursday. On the Friday, we received a motorbike courier arrived at my house and um, served me a um, a demand for seven million pounds for seven days to pay. They wanted all the commission back they'd ever paid us. And also when we first set up the business, which was like five years earlier, and this was one of many businesses we had running at the time, I'd signed a personal guarantee for a tiny startup loan, um, which actually had covered, I, I didn't really know, I should have used lawyers more because yeah, I'm a terrible <laughs> optimist, you see, terrible optimist. I never perceived that this could happen. Um, uh, yeah, so seven million pounds, seven days to pay. And that was about all of my assets. Uh, and I just think, I was just thinking, they're just bluffing. They're not going to do this. But they never once spoke to me again. And they followed through exactly very, very professionally on what they said they did uh, and made me bankrupt four months later and took every single thing off me. Every house I had, my own house, every asset. Uh, you know, I was about to take my kids to school one morning and this guy, and I, I was walking out to the car and this guy's like winching my car onto the back of a truck. Uh, and everything went. Uh, and uh, it it was interesting because it didn't upset me that much. Uh, I actually found it quite an exciting prospect of doing something different because I'd got into a bit of a bad lifestyle of drinking and being a bit of a twat uh, and having too much ego and, you know, eating in great restaurants. I prided myself at spending £4,000 a month with pals at this lovely restaurant. And I was like, I'm your best customer. And I was drinking, you know, having this £50 steak most days and, I was a bit of a dick, I think, for that, but I was enjoying it. You know, I can't say, you know, it was, it was happy days. And I had like four holiday properties abroad that I never went to. I was working 80 hour weeks, admittedly, most of it from some sort of networking from a bar, drinking fine wine, um, leading the business with, with my twin. Uh, but again, it didn't feel right. I, it was, ha- it was enjoyable, but it didn't quite feel what, what I was about. So at that point I decided that we would work on Chris 2.0. Um, so I decided I would do every single thing, the opposite of what I'd done before, uh, and hence started the, the changes. Uh, so that was things like, uh, I went first of all, vegetarian, then plant-based. Um, I call it plant-based rather than, than vegan. Uh, again, because I don't want to sound too much of a dick. Uh, <laughs> I've left a, a, a bad... Well, they, I mean, they're great. And, and I think in many respects, they're, they're doing what needs to be done for many, many reasons. But they, they I think they just sort of meet shame people and, and make, it doesn't need to be done. So plant-based fits well with me. So I went plant-based. Um, I went teetotal, uh, which was never meant to be a long-term thing, but I haven't drunk pretty much since then now. Uh, well, I say pretty much. I haven't drunk at all for two and a half years. So I went sober, stopped smoking, um, lost four stone in weight, 
started doing yoga, stopped doing team sport where I was playing hockey because that got me a bit angry. I just had to win and smash people. And I'm like, why Why do you have to be the top goal scorer? Why do you have to try and, you know, foul people when the umpires start watching? What, what is this? Uh, and just everything, everything shifted. And I loved it, you know, probably more than I loved having a million pounds in the bank account. When I did have a million pounds in my bank account, I would like take a photo of it. And when I like go to the cash point, take out 50 quid and be like, oh, one million, one million, 300,000 pounds. That's awesome. And then I'd end up showing that to people when I was out and I'm like, what a twat. Uh, so old Chris, new Chris doesn't show his bank account to anybody. Uh, and, and so, but then when we got into yoga is I was walking past it, obviously just transforming yourself doesn't happen overnight. It, it, it takes a lot of soul searching. I didn't just like wake up bankrupt and go like, oh, right, okay, this is exciting. There was, there was a lot of searching, um, reading, trying to I, – I, I'm great at stuff if I'm passionate about it and if it's purposeful. And I was really passionate about everything I'd done in the past. Um, but I suddenly lost my passion. Um, but I decided that obviously I wanted to do things differently. It's like living a different life. Uh, and I was walking, um, one of my pals, because he realized I had nothing to do, um, said, Chris, I've got an acre of land, which is completely derelict, hasn't been used since 1950. Do you fancy like smashing it up with a, um, a scythe? And I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. Because I, I knew nothing about nature and I'd spent all my life indoors in an office. And this was January in the UK, so it's frigging cold. The opportunity just to go out and I still had my old cadet force military uniform so I like put on my combat jacket and just started smashing away at this acre of land and I carried on smashing away for two years on that acre of land and we built a beautiful farm a beautiful community farm with a tree house it's an amazing place um but I hurt my back digging uh all the time and hitting it with these sledgehammers and stuff uh, I didn't use any mechanics. Everything was just brute force. And I lost a lot of weight doing that as well. But I hurt my back. And I, one day walking to the farm, I walked past this yoga studio and it said life transformation inside. And there was something as well about healing your back. And I thought, mm, I need life transformation and I need to sort my back out. And so I went into this yoga studio. and It was a hot yoga studio and it felt lovely. Um, and I am a devil for anything that like I start doing pretty much when I'm still on chapter one, I'm telling everyone else about. Uh, and I was telling all my pals about this yoga studio. You got to come and do yoga. It's great. You know, I'll transform you. It'll be like me. And they're like, yeah, hmm, yeah things seem to be going really well for you, Chris. And <laughs> so, but whenever they went, they were like, this is a bit hippy dippy for us, you know, because there was a lot of like me and 20 women in a uh, room. This is when, and it was like two inches between mats and you'd all have to like breathe in and, <sighs> and they had gongs and stuff like that and I actually love stuff like this but for a lot of my friends they're like dude this is just weird but they all knew that they needed to stretch more because they were all breaking down and their backs were all hurting from being in the car too much um and my wife was a PE teacher like yourself and uh she she's all she's always done the right thing she doesn't have like gen 1.0 gen 2.0 just gen 1.0 has always been doing the right thing never needed to also quietly get on gets on with her business doesn't shout about it to everybody uh, she's like the inspiration really uh but uh jen jen said was doing yoga anyway and i was like why don't we set up a yoga studio which is not 
about the 2% of people who become yogis and hence set up a yoga studio to serve people like them? Why don't we set up a yoga studio for the 98% of people who absolutely have to have yoga and Pilates in their life? And let's remove the spiritual side of things. Let's appreciate the mindset that, you know, you need to chill your mind out and stop thinking about shit all the time. But to be honest, when you stood on one leg, that automatically takes care of itself. You're only thinking about standing on, you don't start thinking about other things when you, it's like when you go on a trampoline or, or even just jump up and down, it's very hard to, to be depressed on a trampoline. Um, so, so true. Yeah, very, very hard. If you look at anyone on a trampoline, they're probably most, I think, I think you get over a certain age and most people are worried about um, injuring themselves and not wetting themselves, which again takes quite a lot of uh, mental concentration. So we wanted Rise to be that. So we set up Rise in, January, November 2017. And, and that, so that I went bankrupt in November 2016. And that, that took a year for them to actually one by one take all my assets off me and, and what have you. But um, so I had two years to find myself and my passion before I was absolutely convinced it was right. So we set that up in January 2018. Um, and it went really, really well. I, I Jen did all the yoga stuff and I, I used all my sort of business um, stuff and strategy and branding and marketing and all that bits that I'd learned, which again doesn't happen always very well in in the yoga sphere because a lot of people come to it just purely from a lifestyle position. Um, and it yeah it went really really well and just grew fabulously. And I was being very very strict on myself, Chris. You do not need to try and become a yoga billionaire, Chris. You do not need one hundred yoga studios. Chris, you do not need lots of staff. So we we were really, and I was so tempted, let's franchise this, let's license it. We could have one in every city. We could have five in Sheffield. Why don't we start them in America? I've got a friend in Australia. He wants to do a rise. I was like, no, no, no. Just make this a platform for self-care and your lifestyle and for really you to understand what the mission is you're on. Complete, just follow through this journey you're on and then see where that leads. Unfortunately, we haven't expanded uh, massively, we just built a really beautiful, profitable business when COVID kicked in in, in March, which obviously knocked us down a bit, but then has, has had its positives as well. So that was Rise, and we we just love it. And yeah, I'm doing loads of yoga now, and freaking love it, man. <laughs> I mean, yeah. and, and you are you're you're a yogi. You your online stuff is better than anything I've ever seen. And you were telling me before we went on air that you've got everything automated, and I am in awe of this. Because it seriously, if you follow you on Facebook, I'm not sure. Are you? What other platforms are you doing this on? Just Facebook? Uh, Facebook, um, YouTube, Instagram, Periscope, Twitch. Just because you can, there's like a link button for Twitch. Uh, and I tried to get on TikTok, but I need a thousand fans, and I have no idea I'm going <laughs> to fans on TikTok. No one's going to watch me doing a dance to build the fans up. Um, but yeah, we 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 put all our content out for free, and then we create courses and stuff with it. Um, based around sort of our thing. So yeah, it was my, inter- I've always been a tech nerd. Uh, yeah. I love tech. Um, and I love what it can do. I'm an Elon Musk stalker and I can't wait for battery day in, in the 22nd of September. Big day, everybody battery day is going to change the future. Might even have a mobile phone that lasts longer than eight hours. Uh, and it's, <laughs> they can go for a thousand miles. So although I don't, although I'm not materialistic anymore, I still want a Tesla. Just want one of the <laughs> Um, 
So, uh, yeah, we, I, I when when COVID struck, uh, we like we were just told it was a bit like going bankrupt. Everything was going really, really well, and then suddenly it's over. Uh, and I've had a few of those uh, businesses which were going fabulously well and then go off. And I quite like that in a way because it's not like death by a thousand cuts. I think when, you know, when people lose their passion for things and slowly the the blood just drains out of them and everyone around them goes, oh, what's happening to him? You know, and, and everything I've failed at, I've failed at like instant decapitation. So there's not been this mourning period. It's been like going really, really well, done. Um so, and COVID did the same. We were open, flying, Friday, Saturday were closed. Um, and, and I'd always wanted to do more online. Um, but I didn't have a clue how to do it, how to stream, how to, you know, have dual cameras, what microphones or anything like that to use. We were alive in, in uh, a live studio experience. So effectively, Rise offered one product, which was in-studio live. Um, and now we're slightly open at 50% capacity. We now offer in-studio live. We offer in-studio on demand. So people can come in um, into a little, uh, our, our studio is a series of shipping containers. So it's pretty funky and weird. Um, not really very appropriate for a, a, um, a yoga studio because it's, it's, it's not one big room. It's in lots of different wings, which again is pretty cool. So everyone has like a mirror in front of them and a wall behind them. And then it's like, a bit of a gap and then there's another shipping container so it, it was all we always had to be a bit creative of how we used it um so we've got another little shipping container which does in studio on demand so people can come in when they want and do whatever they want and it's keypad entry we then offer in studio virtual where people come in because people are watch, working much more flexibly now they can come into our studio um there's eight options a day to do that and do in studio on, on virtual so they we select the class and the time and and the virtual instructor appears on these um, monitors, which is just re- replaying what we record. We do at home live, which is Zoom, but our Zoom is like it's got countdown timers. It's got heart rate monitors. It's got split screen. It's really, really good. The sound quality is awesome. And then we do uh, at home on demand, which is like 500. It's like our Netflix of, of Rise. It's, in a be- it's a beautiful showcase and people can access loads of stuff. And then we do our sixth modality, which is these courses, which we're just working on now. So that'd be like where people were saying to people, you've got a bad back, do this, our, our plan for bad backs. And I had a terrible back. I, I, I was um, just after going bankrupt, after playing hockey and hurting my back. I, I couldn't, if I went to the cinema, I, I'd have to lie down on the back row because I could not sit if, if I went in a car, I would have to lie down on the back seat. I tried everything, and now I have zero pain, nothing from doing Pilates and changing my diet. I, like, I cannot believe. And it's only when you have a bit of pain, a bit of back pain, you realize how, because it just kept hitting me down my legs and into my ankle and, like, uh, and it just constantly interrupting my life with this little, ooh, fuck, don't want this to get any worse. And now that that's gone, I like no pain balanced body feel better than I did when I was 20 and playing like first class hockey physically um and you know I was running ultra marathons after that 100 kilometers in a day with no pain no stiffness and I'm like man this is amazing I just want to tell everybody about it um so yeah rise has has completely transformed and when we finally come out of this covid um nonsense Uh, we're going to be really, really well positioned to sort of expand out, but I'm going to be very careful again and not try and take over the yoga world. <laughs> gently, Christopher, gently. Slowly, slowly. Slowly. Um, so is Jen in the business with you or is she still teaching? 
Yeah, no, she, she's, uh, no, Jen stopped teaching when we had kids. Um, and then she didn't need to teach for ages because I was a multimillionaire. So like, you don't need to teach my darling. I'll take care of this. I'll never see the kid. You look after them. And I didn't, I just didn't see my kids at all. Um, it was very much traditional, uh, you know, and Jen just sort of got on with it whilst I was just really looking after myself um, and thinking that if I made millions and millions of pounds and could like, I, I wanted, I was such an asshole. I wanted like um, a massive building with my name on it. And I wanted to like leave generational wealth cascading down. And, uh, you know, my vision board was all like Ferraris and stuff like that. And I'm like, why, why is any of this stuff important? What am I teaching my kids how to be a wanker? Um so I, yeah, I, I, she she um, didn't work until uh, until she had to work again, <laughs> and like when suddenly I'm like, I haven't got anything, and I can't earn any money because when you go bankrupt, you're not allowed to earn money either for like a, a year. Because if I if I went and got a job in corporate financial services, um, they would say like you only need a thousand pounds to live, so anything above that would go to the creditors. So I'm like, well, they're not getting anything, so I'm not going to earn any money for for until i'm out of my bankruptcy and that's why i was just like knocking around on the farm smacking stuff with sledgehammers for a couple of years because i didn't want to earn any money uh, jen obviously would have liked a bit more a bit more cash it was quite nice because she must have loved me because she definitely didn't love me for the money because she stayed with me when i didn't have any so that was that was a nice way to test that as well uh, yeah good point but yeah jen jen and i are 50 50 in the business and i i you know re- i pass everything by jen because she has just always done the right thing she is very very well placed to be like a bit more of a guiding light i mean i can provide the enthusiasm and passion and technical stuff and marketing but jen's just a nice um she she will make sure that we just keep this ship sailing gently in calmly in in the right direction so we're 50 50 partners and it's great we both bring totally different things to business jen does all the sequencing um and she is, and I know I'd say this anyway because she's my wife. When I do our classes, they are awesome. She is so good, so, so good at what she does and how she builds the sequences. And she she really, really works hard on it. So we we have eight different class styles, um, power, sculpt, flex, chill. We don't use any Sanskrit, bliss, um, mind. Uh, and for most of those, Jen creates the sequences. And then every two months, we change the sequence. Uh, and then during that two-month period, everyone goes through, you know, strengthening themselves in that sequence. So there might be smooths to start with that you just cannot do. And two months later, you can do them. So you're always surprising yourself. Then when we change the sequence again, the next week, everyone's got doms and they're all stiff, including all the instructors who are super fit because uh, we're always shocking the body. And then we do that for two months and then we go on to the next one. So we've actually created 300 different unique classes now. And that's part of what we've been filming over the last few months. So all of those are, are really, really well filmed now, which is, which is nice. So do you know They've what? been very, it's yeah. Cap straight when you're on a Zoom call because I'm, like, <laughs> I'm trying to get my cap straight and, I, and I'm going, I think that it's very, very difficult <laughs> skill. Now it's all over the bloody shop. <laughs> She's sitting behind the camera, isn't he? She's listening to this interview. No, she's gone now. Because uh, you're talking very positive. <laughs> I love her to bits. I've been with her. Um, I met Jem. And I think, you know, part of, of health uh, and a big part of it is your relationships. And one of the big things at, at Rise is team. And even though we recently, my, our team is like, because we've all been locked down, it's shrunk to pretty much just our immediate family bubble. 
uh, and I do, and I do feel for people who, who don't have this. But I just, I just struck out at that. Jem was my first love, my only love. I've never wanted to look at another woman just because she's just, she's just been so amazing, and she's, she's never expressed any disappointment in me. She's never told me, you know, she's never said that um, she liked the stuff that we have, but it was always just a nice to have. Um, she's just been amazing. So I met her when she was 16 and I was 19 and we've been um, married for coming up to 20 years and together for 27 years. And I've just been really, that is the biggest blessing that I've had in my life. I fancy the pants off her, which really does help because she does like yoga four times a day. So she's fit as a butcher's dog. So that's a, that's a benefit as well of, of having a wife who does yoga. But, and I've been really, really lucky. And I think that's given me the strength as well to do all the things that I've done, because actually it doesn't really matter if it goes wrong, as long as I've got Jen and the kids, then, you know, I'm a rich man. Uh, which has been nice. You can cut that bit out and send it to that, send it that. Bit. <laughs> <laughs> so you were talking about um, all the stuff that goes on with Rise. I know you've said to me, you've got six hacks. What are the six hacks that you live by in the studio? Yeah. Um, so number one's movement. And these aren't in any particular order because I think all of them you need a, a bit of. And the idea is if you have these in your life, um, you will thrive. You will be the best version of yourself. And I think at Rise, our mission is to help people become the best version of themselves, not comparing yourself against other people. And again, a lot of this has come from the lessons that I've learned. I was always wanting the bigger house, the better car, not for myself. Who needs a car that goes faster or is... <clears throat> it was because I wanted better one than somebody else. Um, it wasn't. And, and a lot of this stuff, you know, I look back at it. This wasn't about becoming the, my best self. It was just trying to be the best, you know, the best hockey player, score the most goals, be the captain, be the managing director, have the most money, have a million pounds in my bank account. These, these weren't about best self. This was, you know, this was a, a different motivation, which, you know, can motivate. And I'm not saying people are wrong for that. It just wasn't and it, it served old Chris really, really well. But for new Chris, it was all about being best self. And it was about rather than, you know, beating myself up. And I did, you know, if I wasn't working and if I wasn't striving and if I wasn't moving forward, I'd feel guilty, I'd feel bad and I would, you know, be really um, aggressive with myself. But so our six things are all wrapped up in self-care, self-compassion and being kind to yourself and treating yourself as a beautiful human. Uh, so number one is movement. Uh, and that would be, um, although I like to go to the gym to get the biceps and the pecs and stuff like that, uh, although I did disguise them well with a, a good layer of fat. So I was, when I finished, when I, when I went bankrupt, I was 92 kilograms uh, and I'm now 67 kilograms. That, and that was fat on top of, you know, there was a, I must have had stronger legs at that time. But um, yeah, mo- most of that was was, was fat. Uh, But for us, movement isn't about going out and, you know, hammering 60 miles on your bike on a Saturday morning or bench pressing or or stuff like that. It's moving your body beautifully, getting it aligned, uh, being able to play with the kids and not go, oh, when you get up from off the floor, from being able to sit uh, and not like get feel like you've actually become cemented to the chair because your body just can't work. Uh, and the, my progression with movement, as I mentioned earlier, was from going from like feeling almost paralyzed with my back to being able to, you know, I'm not saying people should run an ultra marathon. That was a little bit more, more and I'm still have a bit type A. Um, but 
that to be able to do that and and wake up the next morning and not have stiffness in my body was just like dude this shit works this is freaking awesome um but to do pilates and i i i just say to anybody do pilates for the rest of your life it will be much better pilates unbelievable um yoga to you know to work out i, I wear um now you know uh, these um, barefoot shoes to take your shoes off as much as you can to stretch to to build your strength to to be to have your body work not for how it looks for, but for how it feels and to have lots of different types of movement to walk to run to climb you know to 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 do all this sort of stuff and um, that's what we mean mean by movement so at rise although we're yoga and pilates we we do stuff where we take people wild swimming we do running we do cycling we do dog walk you know just move your freaking body uh, move it or lose it just love it so that that's number one and nearly all nearly all of these things are free these are things that people can um hack in so do for no money but also the things that um we used to do in abundance uh, when you know for for ninety nine percent of man's existence we haven't lived like we live now. You know we live in a square boxed life now. We wake up on a box, we in a box, get into another box, drive to a box where we used to. Maybe we now sit at our table. Work, most people in the UK are working from home now, which is probably even worse for mental health. Staring at a box, speaking to people on a box, and you know this is this could not be any further removed from how we should live. So when we're talking about the six things that rise, these are things where people are like no shit Sherlock of course that's how humans should live but we don't it's being removed more and more from us so we actually when we call them our six hacks they're not like super clever computer hacks but these are things that we need to mindfully put into our life because they don't happen naturally as much as they should do Uh, and you don't need it doesn't need to take a lot of time um so mind is the second one uh, and so mine for me, I, I have a regular meditation practice now, which isn't long. Um, and it, it's about, <clears throat> I use the Calm app. I do my 10 minute daily meditations. But mine for me isn't just meditation. It's about also mindful consumption of media. Some people, and, I, and I, I'm one of these people because I'm an eternal optimist. I can see what other people are doing on Facebook and be genuinely glad for them. Other people can see what people are doing on Facebook and be freaking jealous or they can see an ex and they can be glad that that ex is fat or annoyed that that ex is looking sexy or that you know everything is pissing them off stop looking at freaking facebook then if that that mindfulness that gap between stimulus and response if the response is shit stop the stimulus you know let's be let's be intelligent about this um but also mind about using your mind i I do um, I get up at five o'clock every morning and between five and half five, I do personal development. I, I'm doing speed reading course at the moment, which is wonderful. I'm on day 21. I've increased my reading speed from like shit, 180 words per minute, all based on teachers saying to me, now read in your mind. So I could only read at the pace that I could speak because I was literally just reading to myself. I was telling myself stories. So by unlearning that and learning how to actually read, I'm up to 600 words per minute and I'm, I'm loving it. Like that will change my life. So mind can be about understanding how your mind works. I do a lot with the kids about memory techniques and stuff like that because I love it. I was a shit student. I went to a really good school. I was like bottom of the class. And then I learned how to mind map and how to link things. And then I got all A's. And although I've had like 12 years of a 
of a great education. They didn't tell, teach me how to learn. They just taught me stuff to learn. Uh, and when I actually learned that stuff, it, it just really changed and allowed me to like ace through all my financial advisory exams, even though I was like an ESET for everything, which is really motivational to put kids into that. So mine, there's a whole host of places you can go with that. Love it. Uh, and I, I blog at Rise about sort of the stuff that I learn and hopefully that inspires other people to do it as well. And then nutrition. Um, I love cooking uh, and, and I'm really fortunate that I have the time to do it now. So as I mentioned earlier, I'm, I'm plant-based and I'm not saying everyone has to be plant-based. It really works for me. Um, but I was the sort of person who, you know, I think if you eat the odd bit of organic meat, then that's absolutely fine. You know, let's forget the, the, um, the kindness argument of killing an, a, another beast that's for somebody else to 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 think about um but i wasn't i would go to tesco's or sainsbury's um there are supermarkets and you know one chicken breast is six quid or you can get six for six quid i would buy the six for six quid i was buying the shit meat um so for me the, the transition to go um to plant-based was, was really really good and that we had the farm we built this farm ourselves so i was getting an abundance of organic crops but I, I love, I, I have probably, since going plant-based, where old Chris would have gone, ah, hey, you pussy, what are you doing? You know, you don't eat cheese, you don't eat meat, you're not, I don't know why I've gone Australian because I'm lambasting myself, oh, you bloody pussy. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> and then, uh, so I would have thought that there would be nothing I could have eaten because I would like eat meat and then have cheese and, and wine. I'm like, and all of that would gone. I reckon I've eaten a thousand different meals in the four years I've been plant-based. Uh, I use forks over knives. They have this menu planning service. It, it sends you through meals every, every week, not the food, just the inspiration for the menu. Uh, I've got a pantry full of chickpeas and pinto beans. I make my own kombucha. I probably make 30 liters of kombucha a week because all the kids uh, drink it as well i make my own sourdough bread from sourdough starters i uh, i make kimchi and sauerkraut i'm into the gut health so for me nutrition can be a whole host of things obviously i always take things to its nth degree uh, <laughs> since like so i'm not saying like everyone's like fuck this is all of that stuff what is all this doing? it's my intellectual curiosity about how you can do that and i just love it and all of this stuff you'll, you'll be aware of this it's a rabbit hole when you start to go down this health stuff you're like why doesn't everyone know this amazing um but yeah the nutrition side of things so at rise what we don't do is say everybody say to everybody oh you have to be sober and you have to be vegan you know that's probably what more typical yogi would be dude just just make progress progress for me is perfection consistency doing something if it feels good have it feel you know if, have, if you have the old slip up don't beat yourself up about it when what we're talking about here isn't adding layers of stress and making sure that you have to use willpower to follow through on these things it's about stuff that feels good for you um, so, you know, I have morning routines and stuff. And then my morning routines, it works for me. Me getting up at five o'clock works great for me. I'm brilliant in the mornings. Other people getting up at five o'clock, they'll be like a bear with a sore head all day. It'll be shit for them. Don't do that then. And so that's nutrition. Number four is nature. Get out into nature. And th those two years where I spent hacking away at the farm, I felt great, even though around me and, you know, one year of those two years, every single thing I'd ever been worked off was being systematically stripped away from me, apart from my wife and my kids. You know, the real important stuff was there. But every day it would be like things were getting taken, my houses, my holiday homes. It was just shit. And I, I was getting blamed for it. 
Um, when in reality, it was some dickheads who committed fraud against me who got away with it scot-free. The police did nothing. Um, but being outside in nature, seeing the birds and, you know, the, even the rain and, and I hadn't experienced any of this, I felt better and better. It was natural. And I'm like, yeah, nature is natural. Uh, amazing. Uh, it just felt great. So and that, you know, led me to doing more running. And, and I just think we've got to get out into nature, even if it is just for in a park. Uh, the Japanese do it, forest bathing, just to lie down and for 10 minutes, combine it with some meditation look at this, the clouds and a tree blowing in the wind. Dude, it feels amazing and it's so good for your, um, for your mental health as well. And you combine a load of these things. So when I'm doing my sort of blogging, you know, I, I might say if I go for a, a nice walk uh, and we have a picnic that we've produced, then we'll tag that. That's movement, it's nutrition, it's nature. And if I'm going with, you know, if we're talking about stuff, um, but sometimes we do this where we walk and, and the other person isn't allowed to talk. You just want people, you can imagine that's quite easy with me. Uh, I, I just do the talking and Jen just listens. Uh, but that's, that's like really good for your mindfulness as well. And then if you're doing it with somebody else, that's team, which is one of our other six things. So you can fill loads of these in one short thing. And then the fifth one is uh, sleep um, and rest. Uh, so this old Chris did actually look in a spreadsheet about how I can... Uh, sleep as little as possible and how I can have no rest so I can get more work done. And I like analyze that, well, if I have a nap here, then, and I look at all these podcasts about how people can cope on three hours sleep, how you can take stimulants, how you can do this. So you, you know, and I perceived sleep as a total waste of time. You were like not productive. Uh, and then I read something which like said, the people who sleep more are healthier. They have more energy. They, have, they are more productive and they live longer. And I'm like, whoa. So if I sleep more, I live longer and I'm more productive, I'm going to get sleep. So even though I get up at five o'clock in the morning, I've had my seven hours sleep. I nap every single day. Every single day I nap for 26 minutes. This is, a, this is where I'm typed, quite type A. It's a three minute, minute buildup. A 26 minute nap. I only, need to, I only need to put it in my diary for half an hour. I do that every day from two o'clock. I have a coffee just beforehand school of coffee, do my, do my rest. And then obviously the caffeine's kicked in and boom, I'm back at it. And it actually makes it feel like a 14 day week because you have two mornings. And so you get 14 days in a week. Amazing. <laughs> One thing, a little midday. And so the, I'm going to touch on that because, and the reason why you're doing this is, um, and correct me if, if this is not why you're doing it, but you're having the coffee because it takes that long to digest so that you're, it's waking you up about half an hour later. I'm not waking up groggy anyway. And, and I think that's very much the important bit of being 26 minutes. Um, you're not going into a deep sleep. And sometimes I don't sleep. I chew, but I, what I, I do is it's like another meditation. I just clear my mind and I focus on my breathing. Uh, I use the Calm app for this as well. It, it takes you into a nice little, this nice soothing noises of rainforest and then birds tweet at the end and it just brings me out of it. And sometimes I'm tempted to go, I'm going to have another half hour because this feels awesome, but I don't, I jump out of bed, then I'm back on it and you're up and at it. But the other interesting thing, and we just added this is, so it used to be sleep, it's now rest. So I went a few weeks ago to the UK's first legal mass gathering. Um, it was a literary and health festival um, in some beautiful grounds in the south of England and there was a lady there was loads of authors talking about incredible things and one of these authors was um talking about rest and I I had always perceived up until three weeks ago that watching lots of television was a frigging waste of time you mindless morons um 
you know, and, you know, people binge watching Netflix, although I did watch a little bit of Netflix. I was always very much to just, I'm just going to keep it to half an hour and, you know, but now one of the key things to be happy is to actually rest and most rest is done as an individual sleeping is so um, not sleeping. It's a rest is when you're actually awake. So it could be like having a bath, reading a book, going for a walk, running, going to the gym, doing yoga. These could all be perceived as rest. It doesn't have to all be, be you know, physically restful. Um, but one of the biggest, best ways to rest was watching television and mindless television as well, just to be able to actually turn off and give your mind a break. And if you do it with somebody else, TV, then you can actively watch it. And people spend 20% of their time when they're watching television with somebody else talking about it. It's a lovely thing to do. So that no longer has gone. And it would make me feel guilty doing that. So I've taken that off the guilt list. And, and TV is allowed again. The kids are happy about this, even though I try to watch this TV that sort of stimulates me as much as I can. But so rest is something that I've, I've put into that. So sleep and rest. And then the final one, our sixth one is tea. Um, and I think a lot of people have noticed this by through lockdown is you've got to be with like-minded people and rise gives us that because you know we have we have um, a few hundred uh, members and we, we're in a lovely community and i want us all to just um be our best selves just not compare we're all different um but just to try and make little bits of progress we're not after perfection we'll never ever get there and that's what old chris would have been about i'm just after a little bit of progress and sometimes i slip back but in generally i want i just want to move forwards with how all of those things impact my life it doesn't cost much i was able to put all of those things into my life when i had no money um which you know uh, and so that, that there, there are things and that's how i like to guide my life now and i did during lockdown lose a little bit of that sort of stuff especially when i was spending a lot of hours trying to build a virtual studio and learn coding, how to automate it and stuff that I just didn't know. I, I suddenly started, you know, a couple of days might have gone past where I hadn't got out into nature or I hadn't been um, doing stuff as well as I, I was staring at a screen too much. And I started to feel a bit shit um, as opposed to freaking awesome. So yeah, there, there, there are things, there are things. Chris, this has been a phenomenal interview. <laughs> I want to acknowledge you for what you have done for the community not just in Sheffield and England broader but the world now with all your virtual stuff and and how you've been able to change and reinvent yourself and thank you for coming on the Mind Your Body podcast. Oh thanks very much I'm sorry for just dominating it completely but uh... no that's completely fine how can people connect with you because I'm sure that there's so we could talk we could talk for three hours this could easily be a three-hour podcast. So um, how can people connect with you to find out more? Rise R oh this is impossible R one S E so Rise Urban Yoga. So when we set Rise up, we put a one in there, so we were the only Rise. Unfortunately, there has become a K-pop sensation who also has the name Rise. So um, our, our Rise groups are now getting dominated by South Korean young girls um, because the, <laughs> the K-pop sensation Rise is is a good looking. Um, uh, Korean uh, lad so we are not him uh, although I quite like to be he seems to have a decent life and a good following <laughs> uh, but we are Rise Urban Yoga so we're, and we're, we're, we're everywhere so you can join our groups um, you know I'd, just, I'd love to hook up with as many people as possible it's, the more I teach people now the more that's immense learning to myself and it makes me more accountable and I think when I, when I stopped drinking the main reason was it was quite funny because I like 
I've had a drink the night before um, for no reason, really. I'd taken my kids out for one of their birthdays, and it was, so it was just me and the kids. Jen was teaching, and I'd, um, I'd had a bottle of wine. Like, I'm having a bottle of wine with me and my kids. And then I got home, and it was like I'd had a couple of gin and tonics. Uh, and then I'm like, it was like half seven in the evening, and I, and I was just like thinking, what am I doing? Sort of like, what am I doing this for? I woke up the next day and I thought, oh, this is bollocks, what am I doing? And it wasn't, obviously wasn't hungover because this was just a normal day. And I went on Facebook and I put a video up saying, that's it, not going to do it anymore. And I had 200 people who commented going like, right on it. I'm like, fuck, I've got to do this now. I've like outed myself. <laughs> but I didn't realize you were an alcoholic. I'm like, I didn't, I didn't think I was either, my man, just saying. Uh, so because I went public with it, which is like the sort of stuff we're doing now, that holds me more accountable. So I do say to people, you know, if you've got something, if you want to make changes in your life, tell people about them uh, and it makes it far more likely to, to stick. So that could be my my ending thing. So, yeah, come and get hook us up at Rise Urban Yoga, do our classes online. Um, it's, it's awesome what we do. It really, really is awesome. And I'd love to be able to you know, engage with other people and you can join my team, my community, because together we are stronger. Well, we're not completely done yet, although you can probably hear my kids screaming in the background because we're starting to really stretch out the time that I've got them to play in the – they're supposed to be playing in the front yard, but they're in the backyard. Um, Jen must be sat on them all upstairs or something. They haven't come down. You said at the start that they'd probably walk past. They're probably watching trash YouTube. (laughs) All right, so we've got 10 in 10. So we've got the 10 questions in 10 seconds. Although um, there's something that's going to tell me this is there's no way we're going to stick to 10 seconds for these questions. <laughs> That'll be 10 questions in 10 minutes per question. <laughs> you can edit it. All right. You, you're game. You're ready for question one. All righty. So we've got the six hacks of Rise Urban Yoga, movement, mind, nutrition, nature, sleep, rest. That's one together. And team, if there was a seventh hack, what would it be? Uh, purpose, purpose, passion, mission. You've got to have something that you, you're going, all of those things will make you feel bad. I think to get that extra, to get that magic out of yourself, think about what your passion and your purpose is. And it's, sometimes it's hard to find, but if you find that, whatever it is, go that route. That's where you need to be. That's such a good answer. I thought you were going to separate sleep and rest and say that was number seven. So that's, that's phenomenal, a phenomenal answer. Cheers, pal. And 10 seconds. Do you think that actually underpins the other six or is it a number seven? I, I think if, if, you don't, if you don't have passion in your life and purpose in your life, then there's going to be a hole. There's going to be a hole. And if, you, and, and if you don't have it, you know, in your relationships, in your job, then you might have to change it because we, we should have it. We should live a purposeful, mission-focused, passionate life. Mm. Number two, being a twin Yeah. Yeah, so there's no question here. What comes to mind first? Or maybe even the best things and worst things. Between competition, which I don't know if that's a good thing. And, and, and I probably do need to apologize to my brother for beating him up so many years. Um, you know, so yeah, just competition from the age of zero. And, and probably the other thing is, is absolutely unconditional love. I would die for my twin. He would die for me. And to have that person who understands you better than anybody uh, or as much as my wife, I think is, is a great thing as well. So, yeah, it's no one will understand being a twin unless you're a twin. And I think genetically identical twins like we are as well. Um, is, Were you born first? Uh, he was born first. I was 12 minutes. Uh, really? I, I came out arse first. 
Uh, just to be <laughs> Number three, the new Chris versus the old Chris. Both very, very happy. I'm an eternal optimist, um, which has been one of my business failings because of being an optimist. But uh, new, new Chris is going to, he looks sexier, he lives longer, he has more energy, he's a better dad, so he's got to be the version 2.0. He's got to be the best one, hasn't he? It's less selfish. So, yeah, um, but both of them had a lot of fun. There's actually a second part to this question. Okay, and you might need a little bit of time to think about it, so we may have to come back to it. If, if you could have lunch with a celebrity... Who would the celebrity be for old Chris and who would the celebrity be for new Chris? I th- who do you think would match that personality best? I think for uh, old Chris, it would have been someone like Richard Branson because um, I did really admire him. Um, in fact, both, both old and new Chris would love to have run, lunch with Tony Robbins. He's been a continual force across old and new Chris. I just always love what he, what he says, and I've been to a load of his stuff. Um, but I also, um, new Chris would, there's a guy called, I think it's Michael Singer, um, uh, who, who wrote a book. Um, oh, do you know what? The problem with Audible and Kindle is you never remember people's names and the titles of books. Um, I'll try, and I'd, I'd love to have lunch with him as well. I think he's a, a Michael Singer. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to just get you this one second. Because people should read this book. It's really powerful. Um, I'm just up looking up Michael from my what I've read. Oh, I can't. No, maybe it's not even Michael. I'm sure it was. It's going to come to me and I'll show, shout it out. But he would be a great person to, for me to have lunch with as well. We might link, we'll link that up in the show notes afterwards. Mm. Uh, if, if you give it to me a bit after. All right, number four, the best thing to come from that Bulgarian farm. I I really hope that one day it will be finished because it is amazing. It's called Gesha View. It looks incredible and it will create so much happiness and it will be transformational in so many lives, even though it's not all it did is suck millions of pounds out of my wallet. What, What we wanted it to be, it has physically become, but it needs... Somebody else now needs to take it over the uh, for actually to become an alive village. I would just love, I would love to go there one day and just see people laughing and happy and enjoying time with a family with no cars in an amazing environment with beautiful views. Uh, and I wouldn't feel bad that actually I've got nothing out of it myself. I would feel that that's what it was meant to be. It's every house has got a huge balcony. The the properties are just unbelievable. It's got twenty one shops and restaurants, which were all going to be down the holistic route. I want it to become that, uh, and I, I hope it, what it doesn't become is a derelict gypsy encampment where people you know are just hanging out there to, taking drugs in a, in a, in a um, you know a derelict development it's too beautiful for that and it's still beautiful uh, i just hope it becomes what it was meant to be i may have described it wrong by calling it a farm but you understood what i meant yeah I, I, in bulgaria yeah 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 not my farm in the uk my, my, my one in the uk is like a glorified allotment really yeah, yeah. all right number five reinventing yourself uh, number one, find your passion and purpose and then work forwards from there. Uh, so, yeah, that, that was me. And, and do things differently than you did before. Deliberately take. If you would have gone route A, this time go route B. We only live once, I believe. 
So, you know, if you do have the option at some point where you go, well, that's fucked. I've got to change things. Just just don't do the same thing again. If you do the same thing as you used to, you'll get the same results. And that's madness. If you want change, do things differently. I, because I take everything to extremes, decided to do everything differently. And it is very much like living two lives in one. So, but it has to be around passion and purpose. And you have to believe as well, you can change anything you can change. Um, we all have an, a massive ability to change. Humans are great at that. So believe you can. Awesome. Number six, what do you think about tech in fitness? Um, I reckon I've ruined a good few runs by going, right, Jen, let's start. Hang on a minute. I'm just going to start this watch. Oh, my heart rate's not started. I'm just going to put my headphones on. Right, we've got Tony Robbins going now. Three, two, one. Endomondo says run. And then you're running in a slow down to get into your heart rate zone. Like That can take away a little bit from the joy of moving and the joy of nature. Um, and I, But I think, I think it's got a great place to, to, to be. But if you look at those six things that I mentioned, um, none of those involve tech. Uh, I don't think we have to have it. And a tech is a removal from the natural way of human being human. Um, and hence, it, it can add a layer of complexity, a layer of frustration, a layer of artificiality, which removes some of the genuine joy of being human. But I friggin' love tech. I can't, you know, and, and I'm like a cyborg sometimes with the amount of tech that I'm bloody wearing. So for me, it works, but I don't think it, 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 it's necessary at all to be your best self. But I love it. Bonus question here. I'm chucking this in. First word that comes to mind, Elon Musk. Saviour of the world. Awesome. Just uh, Iron Man. <laughs> awesome. Pro- uh, all right, number seven. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Probably deeply disturbed as well. I'm a genius. <laughs> Afflicted and unhappy in many respects. <laughs> I'm glad he's here. Um, number seven, the secrets to a long-term relationship or marriage and or marriage. Sorry. <laughs> Is that saying sorry? Saying sorry a lot? Yeah, because when I'm a prick, which, I, you know, I, I have been, and we all are, uh, I do apologise for it pretty quickly. And I think when you are being a prick, the best thing you can do, if, if I can feel Jen might be about to tell me I'm a prick, I go, sorry, I'm a prick, because that removes all the wind from her sails. And then like, there's no point in her reinforcing, which she doesn't do anyway, that, or, or even thinking, because I've admitted it, I, I've shocked myself. Um, so, yeah, just, just, you don't have to be right all the time, which old Chris would have thought he was. Just say sorry. Yeah. And honestly, number eight, behavior change. I like to analyze things. So feel what is right for you. Do something, feel the change, meditate on it. Um, and then I would also say compound things. So I did a lot of work on habits. I've done a habits are a big thing for me, creating empowering habits and create and understanding what you do on a regular basis is who you will become. And um, it's that consistency that, that creates your life. And it's, and it's often in the tiny things that make the biggest difference. Um, so an easy one for me, which has made a huge difference to me physically is every morning when I make my coffee, I do 50 press ups. Um, and now I am great at press-ups and my strength is unbelievably. I have three coffees a day. That's 150 press-ups. 
And so from like a few years ago, I could probably have done 30 press-ups. I could now do 100 press-ups in one go. And that's all because just when I make a coffee, it takes the same time to make the coffee. And all I was doing is watching the freaking coffee earlier. So that for me, that that's a, it's a lovely way to make to make changes. But do it mindfully and do it what – don't do stuff that works for other people. We are all different. Do stuff that works well for you. My routine works well for me. doesn't necessarily work well for other people. Where did the idea for that come from? Did it come from a book or did it come from maybe even Chris 1.0? Yeah, no, Atomic, uh, Chris 1.0 and Chris 2.0 have always been a bit type A and they've always been into analyzing things and they've always been mad on process. And I've, and I've liked that. I didn't want to change that. And I thought that could help me become my new me. Um, but uh, a book called Atomic Habits, loved it. Um, and uh, The Routine Machine, The 5am Club, all, all of these things. and uh, uh, But yeah, habit stacking. If you do something every day, like brush your teeth, and there's something else that you want to try and get in regularly every day, attach it to that thing that you're already doing every day, you know, then that, you just make sure you do it. Um, yep. And number nine, apple cider vinegar as part of your morning routine. I like the taste of it now, which makes it much easier. Uh, I've never got to grips with spirulina. Mm-hmm. Uh, so apple cider. That's what I'm into at the moment. Spirulina, mate. It's yeah, like- but as a tablet. Ooh, <laughs> really good. Uh, I'm, I'm not eating it. I, I think it would be a struggle to eat it. I just have it as a tablet. I have five tablets every morning and five tablets every night, just with some water. I didn't realise they even did that, so I'll have to do that because I know it's great. But I used to put it into a glass of water and have it like the devil shot, and it was like. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I did it for a while, but then I'm like, life's too short to be drinking that. Like, you went, <laughs> oh no, I don't want to get up because I've got to drink that spirulina. Or I didn't, and then I, I would have like morning anxiety over drinking spirulina. And then if I didn't do it, I'd have like, I'd have failed really quickly in the morning. I like to get as many, many wins as quickly as I can in the morning because I do believe if you win the morning, you win your day. So if I get up at 5 a.m., do 50 press ups and I've had a black coffee, then by 10 past five, I've won. And life's good. You know, the day is good um, from then onwards. Uh, even whatever shit that happens, I've, I've done what I needed to do. What? So what do you drink the apple cider vinegar with? What's the ratios of it as well? I use two tablespoons of apple cider vinegar with a, with a pint of water because then it's not too strong. Um, one, I'm, in my bulletproof coffee, I have one tablespoon of MCT oil with black coffee. Uh, and, and then I don't eat till, um, till midday. So I intermittent fast every single day. And occasionally I do longer five or seven day fasts. Um, as much because I do like quite like to punish myself as well. I, I'm a bit of a sadist, I think. So even though I said about self-care and stuff, I, I have a bit of me that likes to, uh, you know, likes the pain of running 100 kilometers, likes the feeling of not, of that hunger. Uh, I, 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 you know, it's a bit weird, but I do like that occasionally. <laughs> And, of course, MCT stands for? Medium chain triglyceride. So it's like a coconut. And so you couldn't, you couldn't just have coconut oil? Yeah, you can, I think, yeah. What? Yeah. So yeah. You, you're just choosing to have, like, a specifically produced MCT oil. Got – I get – I use this one. Here it comes. So, yeah, premium coconut oil because uh, it's liquid form as well. So when I, I use – I do use coconut oil for, like, cooking and stuff and just – um, but th- this is, uh, it's meant to be r- really good. Um, and yeah, I just put one tablespoon of this and what, again, what's good to make, to make good things easy is I've on auto ship at Amazon. So I've worked out how quickly if I have a tablespoon a day, this is me being a bit processed type A, I know that within three days of this 
finishing, if I have it every day, the new bottle will arrive from Amazon. And so it just it makes sure I do the right thing. Because you can easily break a habit just by running out of this stuff and then not being able to get it from your local Sainsbury's before you know you're out of the habit. So your coffee, is that coffee black? Yeah, black Americano. Yeah. yeah, nice. Cool. Okay, number 10. Now, this is a question that I ask every guest that I have on the Mind Your Body podcast. And I always say that I'm really interested to ask this question of the guests. And genuinely, I am. With you, I am genuinely intrigued to hear what your response is to this because it's going to probably be something mind-blowing that I'd probably have never thought of. Okay. So if you could go forward in time or back in time, which would you go and why and where would you go? Uh, I would... I would go forward in time, uh, for sure. I would go forwards 100 years because I love the idea of self-driving minivans that you can get into on a Friday evening, watch a film, have a sleep, and wake up in a different country, and it's driven itself there. I think that would be freaking awesome, and just the whole concept of self-driving cars. And I think the next 100 years, what we, and this gives me, you know, some people are really worried about what's going to happen in the next 100 years. I think we're at a, a pinnacle of human development, much thanks to Elon Musk and other people who have fortunately made billions of pounds, and I think, you know, aren't aren't here to kill us all or enslave us all. I think it's going to be amazing. So I, I just think it, it's so exciting. And I do intend to be there for a good, good period of this 100 years. I have 120 is my is my goal age, which I think would make me a record holder. But I think a lot of people will get to 120. You know, I'm 45 now. I'm feeling better than I have ever in my life. Um, metabolically, I'm at least 20 years younger than that we have a really cool machine at rise ten thousand pound machine that you stand on it does all these measurements and it keeps me says how young i am um, and the reason i wouldn't go back in time is is i would I, I i would know what i would have to do differently and i would i would not be where i am now and i'm so happy with where i am now but i wouldn't have built the village in bulgaria i wouldn't have everything would be different my children wouldn't have ended up being born i couldn't i can't risk changing anything that that would because i'm i'm where I, I have to take responsibility for all the good and the bad of where i am now uh, and i don't want to change anything in the past sometimes i wish i could but i don't want to because it would change where i am right now and where i am right now is perfect and i think that's a big thing for everybody it doesn't matter where you are physically mentally financially where you are now is perfect it has taken millions and millions and billions of years of creation. And we are so lucky to even be alive. So where we are now is freaking amazing. Where we go to from here on is our choice. And it's very, very exciting. And do it with self-care, compassion, and as your best self. But don't change stuff in the past because it meant that you would not be where you are now with all the options that exist to you, wherever that is. That's such a good place to end, but I'm not going to end this right there because there's still a couple of things that I can't let go. There's two things you just said then that resonate completely with me. One is where, where you would go to and why, your reason why you would go to that point. And it's exactly the same with me. I would love to be able to be able to get from one part of the earth to the other in a moment. So yeah. transportation, um, uh, what's the word? It'll come to me in a second if you don't give it to me. Um, Teleportation. Again. Tele Teleportation, yeah. And so I, I don't want to have to sit on a plane for 14 hours to get from Sydney to LA, for example. I just want to be able to get there. And I reckon something like that is going to be possible eventually. I, I, I think we have no idea what is going to be possible in the human. I mean, I, I, I'm a bit of a futurist. And I think when you look at 
what could potentially be happening. And when you hear Elon, guys like Elon Musk talk about, you know, people being on Mars, fleets of spaceships leaving in, you know, the next 10 years to, to experience stuff. I, I went, um, when I was at this literary festival the other day, and this blew my mind. This guy who's a professor of mathematics at Cambridge University. He said, the Earth takes one day to rotate it takes one year to go around the sun. It takes 350 million years to travel around our, our solar, sorry, our galaxy, our galaxy. In our galaxy, there are 100 billion solar systems in just our galaxy. And in the universe, there are 100 billion galaxies. And I'm like, so what, where, what we think, you know, when we think about our relevance, our size in this world and what is potentially available, our conception of speed, time. Uh, and, and there are people who have who are getting a grip on this, like this guy from, you know, they're working out how fa- how old the Earth is, 13.8 billion years, how fast things are moving. We can see a star explode in our night sky And that star exploded five billion years ago and we're seeing the light now. So we're seeing back in time, you know, these things, I'm not sure if they freak me out or really motivate me. They certainly scramble my head. But the understanding where we are with this stuff now, I think the transformation that we're going to go. And when people go, oh, we can't fix stuff. Elon Musk, when you see one of his rockets land back, like someone landing a pencil like that in the middle of an ocean on like a yacht, Shit, anything's possible. I'm like, who said, who, why would you, why wouldn't you just dunk it into the sea and like go and scoop it up? But the way it lands, all this sort of stuff, it blows my mind. And, you know, when we start talking about self-driving cars and the the quality of lifestyle and where we're going to be as humans and how automation and artificial intelligence is going to come in so that humans can focus not on like being slaves, which most of us unfortunately are, where we can focus on being our best selves and, and joy and maximizing the human experience. I think all of this is going to be available in the next, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And that's, you know, another reason of living as long as you possibly can. It's going to be freaking amazing times. They'll sort the planet out. We're not going to kill every animal there. When, you know, things will get sorted out. Sea levels might rise, but we'll just move further inland. We'll build underwater. We'll build on another freaking planet. You know, things will happen. We're not, it's not all death. Uh, although I do think we should do more about the environment, et cetera, et cetera, and maybe start by not eating animals. Um, but yeah, it's, it's so exciting, such an exciting time to be alive. Well, I'm looking forward to living that journey with you because I'm planning on living to 200. If anyone's followed me for some time, they'll know I talk a lot about making it to the magical 200 number. It's not so uncommon now to make it to 100. I remember back in the day, that was my granddad's um, goal in life was to make it to 100 and get a letter from the Queen which, you know, you'd obviously do here in Australia as well as what you would there in England. And um, and here's me saying, no, I'm living to 200. And people go, yeah, but all the other people in your life are going to be gone. And you're not going to have, I'll just make new friends. I'll, you know, and I'll, part of the challenge is to drag those people along with me and encourage them to live a healthy life in order. Definitely. I'm, see, I'm not scared of death at all. I talk a lot to my kids about death because what I say to them is I, I'll never die. I've got, th- I've got three kids. I am in them. I, I can't, you know, if I inspire people, this podcast, what we're doing now, this will be out somewhere in the ether for years and years to come. So how can I die? Because that bit of me will be there forever inspiring people. So we're, we're not, you know, my body might die in 120 or 200 years now because I'm competitive. So I'm doing 200 too. <laughs> 
fuck, I didn't even think that was possible. You know this stuff more than I do. But, you know, so, so we can't ever die. We're, we're here. Our consciousness can be available forever. And, you know, my kids will have, when my, my, when my granny died at age 101, there was like 43 people in the family who were sort of with her or, or, or around her at, at that time. Not one of us would have existed if she had not existed. So she's not dead. Part of her DNA is in all 43 people. Not one of us would have been there. So, you know, she, even though for her it might have been the closing of her eyes, part of her is in 43 people. We will then become hundreds of people. So you, we're, not, we're not dying. This is, my, this is eternity. And what we're doing now is eternal. It's, and it's so, but actually living the human experience over the next 100 years, oh, it's going to be very expensive, especially if I get a Tesla. Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. So I think the life expectancy of most um, males in Australia and probably England as well is about mid-80s and it's around the same for females as well, maybe a little bit longer. I think you see enough people live to, to make this century and particularly in Japan, there's a particular, and there's one city or village that regularly lives to about 120. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so, but where it came, the 200 for me came about from reading a research article and we spoke at the start, I can't remember where the research article came from, what the specifics were, but it was a research article out of a university in China. Mm -hmm. And it was saying that the first person to live to 150 is alive today. Sure, for sure. And so I believe that if they are alive in 2020, that's, I'm now 37 right now. So to get to 150, that's, you know, 120 or so years away. And uh, I'm not good at math, so correct me if I'm wrong. But um, if in the next hundred years, surely with what we've seen in technological advances in the last hundred years, imagine what's going to happen in the next hundred years. I think 200 is minimal. Yeah, yeah. If you do the right things, and most people don't. And but yeah, and, and tell you what, even if you fail and you only get to 180, or or if you, you die at 100, but you've been super fit for those 100 years. And I think the thing is, there's a difference for me between health, keep being keep people kept alive. So, you know, I, I don't want to be, if somebody, oh, somebody is like 70 and they're like decrepit and they're going, I don't want to possibly live to 100. No, of course you don't. You're bloody, you can hardly move. You're in pain all the time. Your back hurts. You, you can't remember the name of your kids. Your mind's addled. You know, all of this stuff you've done to yourself, mostly through your lifestyle. No, you, you wouldn't want to. But if you're thriving and you're excited and you've got passion and your purpose and you're not in pain, phew, keep that going as long as you can. And, and you know, if we fail... Well, what a great way to fail, keeping yourself fit and healthy and mind sharp and stuff. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm completely talking about having a good life um, satisfaction, being able to still live life fully and do all the things you're talking about, move, you know, focus on mind, nutrition, nature, sleep, rest, have, have a team around you, which yeah. includes family and friends, community. And, and then, of course, now with purpose, yeah. then that's, that's just, for me, that's a given that that's just going to be a part of life. And so when I talk about living to 100, 120, 150, 200, it's with those things. For sure, for sure. Yeah, and, and they're not expensive. This isn't the preserve of millionaires or billionaires. This is, this is for everybody, this stuff. Absolutely available mm -hmm. for anybody. All right, this conversation has been such an interesting conversation and it's been very, very humorous along the way. So thank you for sharing what you've shared and the way you share it. Mm -hmm. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. I've, I've very much enjoyed it as well. So fortunately, I remembered to press record as well because that, that would have been an arse. Are you frustrated that no matter how much you try, no matter how good you plan to eat, no matter how much you intend to exercise, you just can't seem to stay on track with your health and fitness goals? 
Do you feel like your best of intentions to have more energy and feel better about yourself results in having even less energy and feeling down? What if there was something you were missing? What if eating healthy was actually enjoyable? What if you looked forward to exercise? What if moving more could actually be really easy? I've put together a free ebook just for you, detailing the strategies for having more energy and feeling better about yourself. And I want to give it to you absolutely free. To get instant access absolutely free, simply visit jacobandre.com. That's J-A-C-O-B-A-N-D-R-E-A-E.com.